0: I want to be or create or be a part of a movement of folks who are saying the thing that needs to be said, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it means maybe being a little bit at risk. Right. Or or maybe even when it it brings up a lot of emotion for us. I want that in the workplace. I want that in my personal Mm -hmm. life. To me, that's the goal.
1: Getting Discomfortable With, Michelle Antoine. Our guest this week is the creator and founder of Curios Consulting. Their tagline is, taking the training wheels off of talk. Michelle, thanks for joining me.
0: Thank you so much for having me, AJ.
1: So I'm so intrigued by this phrase, this tagline, taking (laughs) the training wheels off of talk. What, What does that mean for you?
0: Yeah, so taking the training wheels off talk to me and as the tagline of Curios means to give room for the complexity and nuances Mm. of conversation and communication. I think often we try to give the perfect soundbite. We try to package what we feel, what we mean, Uh, what we care to say, and that's in the workplace and in our personal lives in such a way that it kind of dilutes it and removes true meaning and and true Mm -hmm. maybe uh, discomfort from Mm -hmm. the, pun intended, uh, from the really kind of meaty textured thing. And taking the training wheels to me means kind of reintroducing and providing an opportunity for us to kind of not be so careful. Like mm. I think train. I think of training wheels as you know, like you you put them on on a bike uh, typically when you're a kid, and you are just you know you need them to like keep steady. And I think we start to need we we need to start learning how to balance kind of all of the varying nuances of communication in such a way that we're not afraid of falling. Falling is okay, you can get back up. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the 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 metaphor there.
1: I mean, I resonate with your mission so much. Like it's it's so connected and juicy for me to all the things that that I love and I think that that's such an important point that you can make a mistake in conversation. And that, in fact, that can be a better conversation Mm -hmm. in a way. Is that right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, just to keep it to the bike metaphor, because I actually don't think I've ever... Thank you for asking. I've I've explained this before, but I don't think I've ever shared it with the bike metaphor so vividly, like, right at Mm. the tip of my brain. And I think when we fall off bikes as kids, I mean, we learn a lot from that fall. And, you know, if if we're going to get like meta about this, I mean, there's, it's very cliche, I guess, to talk about, like get back up when you fall and, you know, um, the kind of uh, resilience that that teaches us. But I think that we don't practice that resilience often enough in communication and interactions with each other. We kind of assume that, or maybe not a student, but we we kind of operate with this sense of I have to say the perfect thing and I, mm-hmm. it has to be packaged in this way. And I just don't think that's very realistic. So I, I'm curious is really about moving away from that and, and and trying really hard to focus on what we can learn, even if we don't have the training wheels on.
1: hmm. Hmm. I love that. Because of course, shame is so connected to mm-hmm. making a mistake. And, and shame is saying, don't make a mistake. And that becomes perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my mentors at the Center for Healing Shame, Brett Lyon, talks about curiosity as being one of, if not the opposite of shame. Mm. Because it's saying the opposite. It's saying like, accept things and move deeper into them, rather than hiding things and being perfect. So it seems so so, like, curious. It's almost like your whole brand is the opposite of shame. Does that fit?
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. 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 And it that feels so good to hear. Um, obviously, I've read a lot about curiosity and about communication, which is kind of my edu- is which not kind of it is my educational mm. background. And I have just been trying to find the right words to kind of bring together to get people to understand the the true depth and importance of this, because I think your mentor is 100%, right? I think that curiosity, and if we start to question the things that either make us uncomfortable or, or mm. put us into pockets of shame or just bring up really uh, any, pers- you know, quote unquote, negative emotion for us, what can we discover from that curiosity? Yeah. And I think that, to me, that's the goal.
1: Yeah, totally. It's it's almost meta. it's It's both like, ever present conversation and yet not something that people focus on as much as they could so i'm i'm so curious like what has your journey been that led you to this being your, mm-hmm. your passion
0: <laughs> oh boy where do we even start right i mean where has where what has the journey been i'm still on the journey right yeah. and i think that that's just important to say because for so many of us sometimes and for anyone listening the journey just takes so many different twists and turns. So everything I'm about to say very much doesn't mean that this is the path I'm going to be on forever. But today mm. on, you know, January 26th, 2021, <laughs> um, the journey so far has looked like this. It, it's been, you know, I kind of took the traditional route to achievement and mm. In the sense that I got the degree, I you know I went to college. I also went to graduate school, and then I thought that wasn't enough, and I went to graduate school again because I'm crazy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know my my first degree, or my uh, I went to Florida Atlantic University for undergrad, and I got dual degrees in intercultural communication, mm. uh, which is kind of where I fell in love with the study and the kind of complexity and the multidisciplinarity of communication
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh and also business and I got those two because uh international business because when I grew up when I was growing up I remember my mom or someone in my family asking me what I wanted to do when I grow, grew up and I always said a teacher and uh still to this day that I will never forget the reaction, which was basically like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do with that? What do you mean you want to be a teacher? And I, it was instinctual. I think kids know. I think kids have a sense for like what they're good at or what they want to do, or what they can bring to the world. But we kind of lose that. And that's a whole different conversation. Hmm. But for me, uh, the communication, the business together was like, oh, okay. I am going to pursue... Not necessarily maybe education per se, but I'm going to pursue communication, which has always interested me, probably because there was maybe a lack of communication growing up. And that's, again, a whole nother story. Mm -hmm. But um, I got those dual degrees. I uh, didn't end up doing anything right out of uh, undergrad that had to do with any of those. And I actually went into higher education administration which kind of veers me back towards the education that I always think I knew I wanted to be kind of Mm -hmm. centered in. And then um, while at San Diego State University is where I got my first professional role in my first full-time professional role in uh, higher ed. I actually also pursued a uh, second master's in communication. And I think that's partially because I knew that higher ed had served me so well so far in terms of my undergraduate experiences so i was you know student leader involved etc and uh in graduate school it, it paid for my graduate schooling and i was able to kind of again like learn so much but also like not have i didn't have the means to pay for uh college and graduate school and those and higher ed really provided me with that but in once i got to San Diego State University i was like i need Something else. (laughs) I need something else because while higher ed is important to me, I think my passion and what I'm good at is sharing messages. I'm I'm good, I I think I'm a storyteller. I think I'm very good at presenting information. I, I think I'm good at teaching information. So yes, I still think I always had that teacher in the back of my mind, but I didn't think of myself as that per se. I wanted to know more about kind of the study of how do we exchange messages? Like, how do we Mm -hmm. come to know information? How, and, and, you know, and there's so many different aspects of communication. There's rhetorical communication, there's interpersonal communication, but how does it all fit together to make this really complex world that we live in where folks really, for the most part, often misunderstand each other? Mm -hmm. So, Um, I feel like I'm sharing way too much, but the point is I got that (laughs) second master's, um, fast forward. I was no longer interested in being in higher ed because a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I was seeing in corporate, which I still think higher ed is in a way it's a business, Mm -hmm. um, is, was not in alignment with how I wanted to navigate the world. And what I mean by that is there's still a lot of you know, politics, quote unquote, there's still a lot of like navigating and not saying things where, you know, there's a lot of things that are left unsaid. Mm -hmm. And even when I left higher ed and went to work for Tony Robbins, which was a great experience. And obviously I learned a ton from that as well. There still was that. So I was like, No. (laughs) I was like, Mm -hmm. I need, I I want to be or create or be a part of a movement of folks who are saying the thing that needs to be said, even when it's uncomfortable, even when Mm -hmm. it, even when it means maybe being a little bit at risk, right? Or or maybe even when it, it, it brings up a lot of emotion for us. I want that in the workplace. I want that in my personal Mm -hmm. life. And that's kind of really long-windedly, where I'm at today, which is that I started Curious about a year ago to pursue that kind of inkling in me, like, how do I bring something to the world that helps people say more of what needs to be said, regardless of the preconceived consequences?
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing this theme running through your life. I mean, you even alluded to it very early on of experiencing... Breakdowns in communication, or experiencing these environments that were stifling authentic communication or transparency, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and this real like nagging desire almost in you to kind of like shatter that and show that there can be another way. Does that fit?
0: It does. Yeah. It fits.
1: Yeah, and so curious is like I as is you teaching companies, people, groups, individuals, how to bring about a new culture of communication that's more open and more, I'm imagining, authentic. Does that fit?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I've been coming to this and and that's part of why I said the journey continues to unfold, because the more I do this work, the more the work becomes clear to me.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: And I Lately, what I've been trying to frame it as is I'm trying to marry the traditional study of communication with kind of this, you know, very, not new, but with with self-development, right? We kind of think of self-development, some people think of it at least as like very woo-woo, very like, you Mm -hmm. know. And I think that's changing. Right. And I think there's a lot more of a movement, especially in the past year to like, oh, like maybe I need to do some inner work. Like maybe Mm -hmm. I need a therapist. (laughs) Maybe I Mm -hmm. need, you know, whatever the thing is, that will help you to ascend in in consciousness almost. But I'm trying to marry really, again, just like practical tools, skill set with like, but what does that mean? Because it's inner work. Like to me, Mm -hmm. it's really about, you can't control what other people can do, or what other people will say, you can control your perception and your reaction and, and the words you choose to uh, put out into that interaction. Mm -hmm. So that's those are the things I'm trying to marry.
1: Mm -hmm. And I I have a sense that this is a really ripe time, because not just of covid but there's so much thankfully emphasis now on conversations in the workplace around diversity inclusion and equity and mm-hmm. there's there's so much of that that really connects to personal development work so it does seem like the the workspace can no longer be completely divorced from politics completely divorced mm-hmm. from personal wellness those two things kind of have to be married. And it seems like curios is really on the forefront of that conversation.
0: I'm trying to be, yes. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people doing similar work, right? So I yeah. think that that's important to know, because I don't think that this, you know, I, I'm like the first person to think of this. But I do think that you're 100% right. Uh, especially in the past year, we've seen how the siloing of certain uh, emotions or certain um, socio-cultural really important aspects of our society are separated. Mm-hmm. And I think that Curios is about finding ways to integrate the things that maybe seem dissimilar or maybe that they don't belong together and finding ways to talk through them in a way that we understand the connections. I think it's all connected.
1: Yeah. There's definitely like this, sense that's been conditioned into me that work is professional, in air quotes, mm-hmm. and that being human is not professional. You know, like, you <laughs> don't bring your messy humanity to work, you have to be professional. And yeah. increasingly, I'm feeling, and and you're right, like people, I think like Brene Brown as well comes to mind, people who are saying, we need to have space at work for emotion and 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 to talk about triggers and to talk mm-hmm. about these these equity inclusion issues. So I just like I just love that that is your whole um, your whole purpose. And I'm I'm curious to know like what does that look like for you? Is it about training? Is it like about culture shifts? How like how does how does one go into a company and begin to bring humanity to professionalism
0: yeah oh my gosh yeah that's a good question i think that what it looks like uh for me is equipping the community with these tools which is what i started how i started curio so it was like a pop-up experience where i just was like let's see who's interested in talking about why it's so hard to have hard conversations let's just see what comes up Mm -hmm. um and you know, we had like 25 people, most of which I didn't know, show up to this first event in San Diego that uh, was, again, really just about zooming out of like, okay, but why is it so hard to talk about awkward or you just like weird things? And I had, you know, a, a colleague from San Diego State come and help me develop that. And people are wanting this. So, mm-hmm. and, and I think that often we we focus on the workplace because the workplace is where we spend so much of our time. It's you know, once you get to work working age, like you spend most of your time at work, which is insane. Which is so it's important to bring into the workplace, mm-hmm. but we forget that every day like in our everyday personal lives, and again, it's about marrying the two. There's so much conversation that needs to be had about, mm-hmm. well, what is how is my personal life maybe even in, informing the way I show up at work? And especially as you mentioned, like, if people think of their personal and their professional work as separate, I think that's dangerous Mm. Um, or their professional, let me rephrase their personal and professional self as different. Yeah. Yeah. Because we like, we have to be able to sink into the whole of our humanity and, and we don't become less or more human regardless or depending on the context that we're in. So it's individual based community based and and definitely I do that work which you know I have a pop up experience coming up on Thursday, and you know there i'm I'm kind of always randomly <laughs> putting on events with uh, with other people or by myself uh, to kind of create the space and experience
1: but mm-hmm.
0: um in the workplace, what it looks like is definitely consulting, and yes, it's culture shift, but it's it's mindset shift, you know it's mindset shifting, and that's why I talk about the self work It's thinking differently about how you interact, and most of us don't think about that often we kind of you know grow up to be the way we are and Mm -hmm. self-work is something that's like kind of a luxury to be honest Mm -hmm. and to be able to kind of consider where I fit and how I think and and how did I come to be this way etc like most people are just trying to survive you know so I get Mm -hmm. that that's uh an extra but in the workplace especially I go into teams and support conversations that allow for let's explore this together right so maybe you don't have time to do it in your personal life because again you have three kids and you know you're just trying to like make it happen most of the time Mm -hmm. but in this workspace environment where you're spending most of your time how do you have conversation that matter how do you lean into your emotions when conflict arises how do you communicate in such a way where you're not only understanding where you're coming from but you're really trying to connect the dots of where this other person is coming from to find some kind of middle ground it's uh it's a little bit of all of the things you mentioned. So it's culture shift, it's mindset shift. And it's again, just conversational competence. It's, it's trying to equip people with the, it's okay to mess up. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And
0: how do we move past that mess up? So you get to a place where you feel just really calm or a little bit more confident in saying what you mean when it matters, especially.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I wonder how you, you know, it, in terms of, what you can and cannot talk about at an office. There definitely <laughs> seems like there there are still topics that uh I'm imagining a company saying, well this is not part of our value system, so we're going to yeah. we're going to you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's like I I'm imagining that there's a delicate balance there of a company choosing Certain values about, or certain boundaries, I guess. Like, we're, you know, we're maybe sex is not going to be a topic (laughs) that's comfortable here, but we do really want to promote like honest sharing and stuff like that. So, I wonder how that plays into your thinking.
0: So, that's so interesting you say that because I was just sharing. um, So, for example, um, and that's why to me, the community aspect is so important, and especially so that I can stay authentic to why I want to do this. I want to talk about porn. Yeah. And I want to talk about poop. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about, the th- again, the things that we've kind of put in corners of our society that we're not really supposed to share. Yeah, openly, me too.
1: Let's talk you know? about
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to talk those about those weird things. In the yeah. workplace, do I want to host an event that, you know, I hosted an event last February, that was entitled porn and puppets, and it was about you know sex education and uh, ethical porn con- consumption and what that means for some folks um, no, like maybe not because you what you don't want right and there is kind of a, a an, this this idea of uh, how far how far do we want to deviate from the professional environment I definitely that's think that's a fair question mm. so the community aspect of curios is important to me because i want I still want to be able to talk about those things. I still want to be able to talk about the things that everyone does. Everyone has sex, everyone poops, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, everyone, you know, does, does certain things that we p- assign a lot of shame to, but how yeah. do we talk about those things in a way that's curiosity driven, uh, with, a w- with consciousness and really being conscious of where we're coming from. Um, but in the workplace, I think that, you know, what we need to be better at is the emotional, relationship we have with each other and I think that for me that's what I bring into or that's what I've I've been bringing into teams and organizations is really curating experiences so let's say a team uh not for example I had a client recently their team was struggling with um intergenerational work is 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 kind of a part of the deal so you have different generations working together Mm -hmm. that have very different ways of Uh, navigating communication, especially with technology being as prevalent as it is now and older generation not so much. So how do you come to a space where you have to work together? Your work is interdependent, but you kind of view communication very differently. And I curated an experience for them. uh, It was like a two-session workshop where we essentially explored certain tools, certain um, practices they can use to do some inner work about, again, as I shared earlier, how did I get to here? Like, what feelings do I have about this department? Why don't I feel psychologically safe here? Why don't I feel like I can say the the thing I mean? But also, uh, is that reflective of reality, right? Because often we have these perspectives about communication, about what's, you know, a supervisor from a different generation has to say, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But we're not really understanding our perspective or where our perspective come from, comes from, and we're really just judging outwardly. Um, and it's a balance. It's a really delicate balance because some things need to be uh, addressed and held accountable for, but other things, and I, I argue most things, we need to look within to figure out what our impact is in the conversational environment. So- um. It's it's. I feel like I'm talking like big, and hopefully you're following me. But to mm-hmm. me, like I'm trying to bring it down to, okay, so little exercises. Something something as simple as writing down a conflict that you're having with someone. What is your inner dialogue about this other person as you're interacting with them? Why is that helpful or harmful to what you're the message you're trying to share with them, mm-hmm. etc.? And I mm-hmm. think that I'm trying to kind of whittle it down so they can understand that yes. That part is important. The accountability is important. If if something's you know happen that needs to be addressed, but where you're coming from is a lot of where the work needs to happen.
1: Hmm. It does seem so important. These internal stories, interpretations, uh, kind of gut reactions that we have. Color reality so profoundly, but we don't yeah. always see that. Yeah. And so we're kind of, it's like projection essentially, where mm-hmm. we're like, oh, well, this person's definitely saying X. Mm-hmm. But then if we don't do the work of saying, hey, are you saying X? <laughs>
0: exactly. We and might, asking.
1: Yeah. We might not know that actually that's completely our addition to the conversation. That sounds right. like similar kind of territory to what you're talking about. Is that right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I see that in my community so much. So I love that you're doing this sort of like dual headed approach, because yeah, it makes sense that in the community, this is so important. Like this is even more important, really. Mm -hmm. That's our life. But also that's the space where we can talk about everything. Mm -hmm. And then at work, it's, um, you know, it's a bit of a walled garden in terms of what the values are. But still, yep. I'm hearing that the main thing is inter- interpersonal. Like, yes. are we able to see, understand and respect each other interpersonally? We don't need yeah. to talk about everything at work. It's really just like, can we fundamentally see each other? Does that capture kind of it, what you're saying, big picture?
0: It does. It's definitely interpersonal work. And it's also, you know, um, it's about authenticity, you know, it's about kind of seeing if you're trying to bring your whole self at work, but your boss or your colleagues don't know you, they're going to have a very difficult time connecting and relating and interacting with you. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of it's it's interpersonal. Yes. And I guess take it a step further. It's about how do you bring your authentic self and then to bring it another step, you know, even below that um is in order to be your authentic self you have to be open to being vulnerable which i mm-hmm. know you're obviously very familiar with in terms of the work the the work and the focus you have on shame mm-hmm. and you cannot you have to be vulnerable <laughs> you have to lean into vulnerability in order to be authentic because your authentic self ch- shifts from moment to moment mm-hmm. so if there's a particular uh, conflict you're having at work for example, and it requires you to kind of show to to bear a little bit of yourself to showcase the fears you're having uh, the 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 discomfort you're having um, the anger maybe you're feeling about how we got to a particular place like you have to be able to, vocalize that in a way that really strengthens the team dynamic. Because otherwise, you're you're completely working in a space that you're not feeling psychologically safe, you can't be yourself, and you're kind of a robot. And
2: mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have
0: worked in those places, and I don't like it. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think any of us should. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely all of that.
1: Yeah, self-work, interpersonal work, self-work in an interpersonal setting. <laughs> yes. And I'm really hearing that like it's not just about being more effective at communicating, it sounds like, and I completely agree, it's about well-being, that you can go to work and not feel your soul draining out of you every time you smile and nod and your inner dialogue is saying, I disagree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, and I think that that's why it's hard for me because some people listening, for example, if they have a communication background, they might hear a lot of what I'm sharing and to your point be like, what does this have to do with communication? I don't think you can, to me, and what Curious is about, I don't think you can do one well without the other.
2: Mm. So
0: I don't think you, if you're walking into a workplace setting and you aren't really aware of your own triggers and you are not kind of doing the self and inner work that rec- that is required of you to kind of be in alignment with your authentic self and, and feel comfortable saying the thing that needs to be said, if your workplace has not engender this environment that allows their employees to disagree and to have productive conflict etc you won't be able to communicate effectively about any of the things Mm -hmm. and just ultimately you really won't be able to make the if that's the goal which a lot of companies it is like your bottom line will be affected by this because you're not really you're not fostering an environment where creativity is um Uh, rewarded where curiosity is rewarded you're really stifling the the growth if we're thinking about uh, of an organization as like a a something that is an organism and that like lives Mm -hmm. breathes and and kind of changes etc like you're really stifling it and it's always going to be very one-dimensional and and not very uh conducive to communicating anything in in a in a real way that matters Mm
1: -hmm. I I remember Brene Brown talking about corporations having their own culture. Like some corporations have shame, like the whole corporation. And and in my life experience, a corporation or any kind of group – the culture really does seem to come down from the top. So I'm imagining that hmm. that it must be quite a tricky situation sometimes when it's trendy to be like, yeah, vulnerability in our company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But actually the the very top or kind of like baked into the culture is perfectionism and shame and things like that. So I wonder, like, do you feel like how would you – begin to make systemic change in a corporation <laughs> yeah. possible, like I guess you can work with the employees, but also it sounds like working with some of the higher level people to be like what are you what are you sending downward from yourself
0: mm-hmm. such a good question. I think that what I've started to do just like on a practical level is you know whenever anyone whenever anyone signs up for a discovery session, I ask about their role in the organization because as much as i'd like to think most organizations are, are pretty flat, um, there's hierarchy, right? So there mm-hmm. is kind of the sense of, of passing down culture as you've talked about. So I ask that because I do think that pe- people, particularly newer professionals, for example, will take cues from folks who they look up to maybe literally and figuratively, right? In terms of mm-hmm. the hierarchy here, um, they will take cues from them about what what's acceptable, but also what will make me successful here.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So um there's definitely that that's challenging because sometimes the folks who are higher up don't necessarily see the need for this, but they've, again, they've also learned it from other people, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's, it's very, it's a continuum. So totally. and it's a cycle. So yeah. they just been, they got successful, because they witnessed, oh, this is how I'm successful, this is how I got here. So, you know, to your to your question, I think that what I try to focus on is yes, trying to incorporate as many of like higher ups or the folks with power, the folks who are make the decision makers in a particular environment. But I also think that if I cannot, because sometimes I can't, depending on, you know, I can't force anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I try to focus on, which is something my mentor shared with me a few years back is my sphere of influence. And if I can influence, you know, 10, 20 people, and now, you know, a couple hundred people have gone through like curious events in, in, in varying ways to think a little bit differently about how they view the work I'm doing, but also how this will impact their personal lives, how this will impact their professional lives. Um, my sphere of influence is that. So hopefully, you mm. know, the, the, the seed is planted and then they can then continue to, like, continue on their own path of self-work and and understanding kind of how that self-work impacts how they interact with other people. And hopefully, again, once they get to a place where they're a decision maker, they they start to, you know, I think once seeds are planted, it's really, really hard to shake the, the growth. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really hard to kind of, uh, to, you know, which is why I, I really, you know, empathize with people who are like ignorant <laughs> about a partic- any particular topic, because if you don't know, then you don't know. And you're just yeah. operating kind of from this, you know, um, like this way of being that you don't even really have the uh, awareness is potentially harming or damaging to yourself and to others. Yeah. But I think if you know, it's hard to shake that knowing. Yeah. So to me, that's what I focus on. I focus on the community work I can do. I focus on the folks who do want to lean into this um, hopefully I get some folks who maybe have some resistance as well. But if I can't, I'm, I'm, you know, I try not to focus on that because that's, the the goal is to just share this, um, Yeah, you know?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love that idea of this, is, was it a sphere of influence, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it just like a kind of faith that we have to live our work and values, not just, it's not like for you, it sounds like this is... This has to be your life, you know, like you, yeah. you, every conversation you have now is like Oh my an
0: God, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah, totally. Uh,
0: it's so hard. Can I share a quick story about that? Yes, So yes. I just had one recently. So this week, um, and this is what I'm trying to help people to do as well. So this will be a good example of this. Um, for any uh, folks who have periods on the call, I am a little bit PMS-y. So I was just not my best self. I was not my best self. uh, Mm. And I'm still not there, honestly. Um, Like last week, like late last week. Mm -hmm. And um, I got a text message from someone who essentially was attempting to give me feedback about some copy I had shared about an event coming up that I have. Um, And if she listens, she'll know exactly what I'm talking about because we had this whole exchange. Mm -hmm. So... um, The feedback is shared. My response is via text message. Never a good idea, by the way. Like don't have real conversations about things via text ever. Mm -hmm. Like that's just a rule of thumb, but was tart because I, the, the way the question landed on me or the way the feedback landed on me, I was feeling fear. I was feeling, uh, anxiety, right. Curious is my baby. So off, and often I have to remind myself to separate myself from the thing I'm creating because it's not me, right. It's mm. just this thing that I put out into the world that I hope is helpful, but it isn't me as a person. Uh, so, but when, whenever anything about it is, um, critique, you know, I'm sensitive, I'm sensitive about it. Just like mm-hmm. anyone, anyone would be, I think of course. Yeah. So my response was tart, you know, she could pick up on it via text, And Mm -hmm. then kind of still gave me the feedback and then I had to process. And then I came back and had to be like, I'm so sorry. I was tired. I want this feedback to be clear. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then explain everything I just shared with you about like, here's where I'm at. Like, this is why I responded this way. But again, just to be clear, like I apologize. And I always want your feedback. So don't take my response as indication that like you did anything wrong. I'm just sharing with you kind of how this landed.
2: Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm
0: the great thing about the work I'm doing is that the the time between the response and their reactivity and the awareness of maybe how that wasn't my highest self was how I call her, her, or just how I would have responded at my most conscious mm-hmm. is shorter. Like the time frame is yeah. shorter now, which is great because again, like I want to be the kind of person that practices what I preach, but mm-hmm. it still happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that what I'm trying to help people do is shorten that, that, that time frame, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, ideally would have been in the moment I would have been able to, you know, ref- like just in the moment, be able to realize like, okay, maybe I'm not in the best place to respond. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. kind of do it differently, but that's what I'm trying to help people do. And, and the repair is important. Um, yeah. But again, not be afraid to have the mess up in the first place and then course correct.
1: Yeah. I resonate with that so hard, especially in the shame world because mm-hmm you know, shame is so slippery. It's hard to catch. It's often with a bit of hindsight that you see it and then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, <laughs> I wish I had have reacted in a slightly different way. And I'm finding that through practice and self-awareness, my ability to say I'm in shame or I was just in shame is getting closer and closer and closer to um, like T minus zero, to like the actual moment of shame, which is, yeah. of course, the goal. But, But it's to be able to, as you said, make a mistake in a conversation and that be okay and then make the repair, that's the mm-hmm. thats the beauty. And not only – it's actually arguably even better than not having made the mistake at all because my uh, mentors at the Center for Healing Shame often say that a relationship is stronger after a repair. So it's mm-hmm. almost like – an opportunity to see it as a gift. Oh, I screwed up. This is an opportunity for me to show vulnerability and to talk on a really honest, authentic level, which is going to bring us closer. Like, yay! Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh my Even god! Though all pain. of that. <laughs> exactly. Even though this hurts and it's uncomfortable yeah. and I feel exposed, you know. Yeah. But I, you know, I say I said this. My partner and I are going to be together five years in like a week, which is insane. Wow. Um, but anytime I think about um the struggles we've had and we like come out of the other side, like bit better, stronger. Like that's what, that's what they mean when you see people who have been, you know, married or partnered or just, you know, in a particular relationship with someone for so long, like it's inevitable that you're going to have just these slip ups, mess ups, like hurt feelings, Mm -hmm. shame, all Mm -hmm. the things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that when you can... like traverse that together and come out on the other side, having a different perspective of not only yourself, but the other person that really is like powerful. Like that's so powerful. And, and I do feel closer to him. I mean, I feel closer to him anytime that happens.
1: Yeah. And like the real him, like the, the the juicy, vulnerable, imperfect human him.
0: Yeah. And not the image, right? Because we all do that. We all project images and I'm still unpacking the image that I had of him. And yeah. the image of who he really is. And I'm sure he's doing the same with me. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, oh my God, it's such a practice. It's endless. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, this, this really brings an important thing to mind for me, which is, you know, I'm doing a lot of work in the same realm on how to communicate, how to manage my triggers, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of the practice is like, we do these like role play conversations, but in, in today's world, My triggers, my reactions are 90% of them are happening in email and in text. (laughs) So that to me, like, and I don't know if this is something that you cover or not, but it seems to me like there's almost a whole new line of thought for like, how do we mediate authenticity, trigger vulnerability through the digital medium where there's just so much room for misinterpretation and, and not picking up on, you know, subtle, Bodily and tonality cues. It's so Mm -hmm. easy to misconstrue. I wonder, is this something that you've been thinking about incorporating into your practice?
0: Yeah, I have been thinking about that. And what's interesting about what you just shared is that, you know, you would maybe not you, but like I think a person might think that communicating via text or via email is much more simple. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that there's something about and I haven't done enough like research or, or, or looked into this enough, but I think that there's something about you seeing the words <laughs> that are written and that like encode differently for us in terms of messaging than like if you're hearing a voice, etc. Yeah. Both are nuanced, right? Like, because even if you're seeing someone, and there's a great book, Talking with Stranger, that I reference all the time, because I definitely think it it inspired me to. Like at the beginning of Cures, especially in terms of what I was doing, we all have these ideas of in person, for example, if you and I are looking at each other, I have an idea of what it looks like to be sad, Mm -hmm. angry, uh, frustrated, like, you know, and a lot of those ideas um, Malcolm Gladwell shares in that book uh, that it's, you know, kind of rooted in this very false media influenced... um, idea that our emotions are always always show up in a very specific way on our face
2: mm, mm, and they don't mm, it,
0: they're nuanced right mm, like mm-hmm. they're nuanced by culture they're nuanced by gender mm-hmm. they're nuanced by so many different things so even if I think like oh he seems a little frustrated or, he seems a little bit mad or for example I uh have been told in the past that I have a resting bitch face I mm. kind of like uh <laughs> I mean that's a whole nother conversation, but anyway. <laughs> right. So, um, if that's true, right? Like they might assume that I'm mad or unapproachable or yeah. angry or whatever. Um, and in written word, while there isn't those uh, facial cues that you still might misread, <laughs> you're not getting anything at all. So your brain almost has even even more room based on the stories you have of the person you're emailing with or texting with, based on. Your perception of the thing you're communicating about. But, like, you know, so many things, almost more things to kind of pull from Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm.
0: uh, to add to what's going on outside of the words they actually wrote.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like you have less things, but therefore more interpretation to do. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: I I, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, just because I think you're 100% right. There's so much room, even in the text and the email format to be triggered and to yeah. just f- try to figure out like, does this mean what I think it means? Do Are they saying exactly this or does this mean something else? Um,
1: are they mad at me? Are they not? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. I don't have a great answer. I think it's all part of why asking, like you said earlier, and being curious about the thing, right? And that's the courage part of my work, right? Yeah. Like I have three principles. I have curiosity, consciousness, and courage because courage is where the kind of rubber meets the road. And obviously my work is very inspired by Brene Brown and her work on courage and vulnerability, like asking the question that needs to be asked if we're unsure or if we're feeling triggered is where we like, that's the only way to remedy something like that. Yeah, Um, And it's, it's challenging. It's that, that one is there's no silver bullet aside from the more you do it, the easier it becomes.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that Brene's a great, um teacher that like courage doesn't feel good in in my experience it's like you know she talks about vulnerability as courage and for me like it's like discomfort s- sitting in discomfort is courage or you mm-hmm. know doing the thing that every um child voice in your body is saying to run away from is courage courage is not like I'm actually brave and strong. Courage is like, <laughs> I feel awful and I want to run away and hide, but I'm gonna But I'm not going to. But I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, like, where, like, what's courage in your life? Like, how does it show up for you? It's I feel like that is the the juiciest part. Like, what can you say about courage?
0: <sighs> that it's challenging. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that um like I said, I think the more I do it, the more I see the value. Yeah. I think it's okay, one of those yeah. things that the more you talk, like you talk about it and it's like, that sounds cool. But like, sometimes it's easier to do X. And I think that that's true. But at least especially in the past year, I've found that when I say there's a liberation that happens. Yeah. Yeah. That it doesn't mean it always feels good right after but there is a liberation that happens when you step into the limelight, which I think is what kind of courage is like everybody's looking and like, you feel really sweaty. Like I'm going to say or do the wrong thing, but you say it. Um, and then you feel like free. (laughs) (laughs) Like you feel like, Oh, I didn't die. Uh, if this person hates me for my truth that I just shared, well, that's a lesson that I am happy. I know now like that. Mm -hmm. I I now have a lot of information about what I, how I do and do not want to interact with this person. Right. Or like Mm -hmm. what they, or, or just how I can and, or cannot interact. Um, And I feel lighter. I feel lighter each time I really step into my courage. Um, And I feel more like, like, just more whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't feel totally. like I'm fragmenting myself.
1: Totally, yeah, yeah. I, I resonate with that so much. Like there's this line and, and shame and fear are saying, don't cross that line, don't cross that line. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that line is disconnection, rejection, pain, like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's so hard to cross the line and it's so uncomfortable. But then every time I do it, I get to the other side and I'm like, wait, there's not that much Yeah, (laughs) this is fine. So it's like, just as you said, it's like, I'm, I'm reconditioning my body so that it's like, doesn't fear that line as much anymore, because it's convinced gradually, like, remember, we stepped over that line big time the other day, and it worked out well.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, it
1: really is like kind of like training almost.
0: It is. Our brains are crazy. Our brain just like <laughs> retains so much information. And I use, you know, that, that word crazy and jest. I, I, I don't mean to like, you know, use it in like the derogatory way, but it's yeah. just like, there's just so much um, happening and so much information that we're pulling from that we are and aren't conscious of. So my partner always makes fun of me because like, if we go to like the beach or something, and the water here on the West Coast is very cold most of the time. And I remember, I will never forget this one time where I was freaking out in my head, just like, oh my gosh, like, it's going to be so cold. I'm so nervous. Like, it just was, I like my whole, my body, yeah. my brain, like my, just the bodily reaction I was having to this anxiety about how like cold the water was going to be is just out of this world. And then as soon as I put my feet in the water, I was like, oh, this is fine. This feels good actually.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's like, We do that with so many things. We do that with so many um, different aspects of of life. And I always have to remind myself, it's probably going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, most of this anxiety that you're feeling is self-imposed. Most of the shame that you're feeling is self-inflicted. Yeah. Uh, And maybe practice thinking, maybe it's going to be fine. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and that's... Again, it, it's the practice. It's a practice in kind of sh- doing in strengthening those parts of our muscles,
1: mm-hmm, our brain mm-hmm. muscles, mm-hmm. and then eventually your body's like, I can't wait to get in that water because yeah. I've gradually learned that it feels relieving, actually, and and it's and that story, like it 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 goes right back to you know you talking about the way what we're thinking in our head versus what we're saying out loud to the people that we're trying to communicate with. And it does seem like whatever it is that we're thinking behind the scenes is coloring that reality. It's coloring mm-hmm. what we think of that other person. It's coloring what we think of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So we want to, we want to really like externalize it and check it out and be like, is this true? Like, yes. is this actually what's happening? Yeah. And then, and then I think eventually get to a point where we've like really aligned such that like what we're saying and doing is the same as what we're thinking behind the scenes. It's like this, like, that's maybe that wholeness that you talked about. Does that resonate with you?
0: It does resonate with me. And I think it's about distinguishing, I guess, to simplify it even further, it's just distinguishing the feelings from the facts. Yeah, And that's why curiosity is so important here because often we you know have people who are like i'm real i say what i think all the time and i was just talking about this cuz we're you know planning an event around authenticity and that's fine <laughs> that's fine to be real and to you know have like you know uh, feel that that is like you know like your badge of honor to like be real and say what you think but often a lot of people use that to be assholes yeah um and to be very reactive and i guess i challenge anyone listening to always find ways to distinguish and be curious about, okay, is this fact or is this feeling? Did did they do this or am I feeling this because of X, Y, and Z, you know, insert trauma here.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and because there is a distinguishing, there's there's something very important about not confusing authenticity for like shock factor almost or or just you know saying the hard thing because you think it's like everyone's thinking it. and again like that's there's a place for that but i i think that compassionate or or where's the compassion or empathy in the authenticity that you're trying to share all the time because it's mm-hmm. it's not as it's not as black and white as, as we try to make it
1: yeah exactly like it's great the people who have that courage to just be like this is my truth but I think the key there, just as you're saying, it's like, well, that's your truth,
2: mm-hmm. not maybe
1: the truth. And if it mm-hmm. if it is constantly being forced onto other people, that's that can be really oppressive, like liberating yes. for them, but oppressive for everyone else. And yes, exactly. Sort of an opportunity for all of us to meet in the middle and be like, I don't even know if this is true, but this is what's coming up for me and I just want to be clear about it this is this is what I'm feeling and interpreting. maybe it's not even true for you yeah. and and i you know I want more of the courage to say stuff, and it sounds <laughs> like on the other side, there's room for like you said, more of the compassion and self awareness that this is just one opinion, one perspective
0: yes, and it's hard, right, especially with what's going on in the world today there's so much there's so much nasty. <laughs> in Mm -hmm. politics and in you know business and there's so much just ick that it's very it would be very easy uh and sometimes is easy for me to jump to the conclusion (laughs) that someone's perspective is just beyond uh like well they're just I don't like I could I wouldn't even know how to it like deal with that or I I don't even know how to engage with someone who thinks yeah, that yeah. way right but yeah. again I think that that's why curiosity here is always so important I was just reading an article about the way we all you uni- know like needs are universal right but we all meet our needs in varying ways and that's where yeah. we come into conflict most of the time
2: yeah yeah
0: um so what like being curious about like what need is this meeting for this person can I meet them at their need yeah. you know Can I meet them at the place where there's another, I can try to give them a perspective about another way in which that need can be met that doesn't harm them or me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's the practice, but you know, it, that's not the world we live in. We live in a world where it's very reactive. People are getting, you know, dopamine hits on their phones instantaneously. Like we live in a very like fast paced place Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work I'm attempting to bring into the world is to, because I'm doing it myself, is to slow down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a lesson that I'm also constantly learning is the power of slowing down. Because yeah. that's where my truth is when I yes, slow down. And exactly. when I when I speed up, that's that is sort of more like my fight or flight reflex mm-hmm. is speedy. My reactiveness is speedy. My conditioning and my, you know, like really childlike uh, acculturation is speedy, Mm -hmm. but the like real true part of me and my like real adult values are so slow and calm.
0: Yeah, Yeah. slow, just like all good. Like that's you, that's, and you know, there's such a, there's a place for that survival mode, right?
1: Yeah. For survival. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Right. There's a place for that. Um, But I think, I guess, you know, and it's just important to evolve. I think for our, our consciousness to evolve from that, to be able to better distinguish between like, Oh, body, you know, survive. Like, is there like, do I need to survive right now? (laughs) Or you know what I mean? Like, or am I actually surviving and I need to move to, uh, just ev- evolving, like just evolving in terms of how I think about this and how I make sense of this. Uh, and I think that there's a dis- this, there's a difference.
1: Totally. Uh, that, that resonates with the shame work that I do so much that, you know, so much of shame triggers our fight or flight reflexes because it's evolved from a time where we lived in a tribe that if we got kicked out of it, we really were going to die. Mm-hmm. And now we live in this totally different world. So it really does seem like We need that education that says, hey, you know, um, disagreeing with someone at work doesn't mean you're going to get kicked out and die, per se. Mm -hmm. There's like ways to do that, that are respectful and compassionate and that will actually help you and them and the company to be more in sync. So like, and that's what I feel like is sort of the promise of your work, which is what I love.
0: Yeah, it's a big promise. And I definitely, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not perfect at it, because I'm an imperfect being. But um, I do think that it is a practice that I think all of us could definitely gain from being mm-hmm. into. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's it's more that you see a need, and you felt that need throughout your life. And you're on this journey now of let's, let's See if we can fix this or improve this, and so yeah, like I I can see how I'm there's like a lot of pressure on you, like okay, uh, Michelle, please (laughs) just like solve conversation (laughs) for everyone in the world now. Uh, But no, it's like it's like I'm sort of like cheering this journey on and saying, like, yeah, this is the journey that we need. And And um, I
0: feel the same way about your work, to be clear, like, I just think that like the work shame shame is such a i don't know if you saw but one of my friends commented on like our past conversation and and said um shame wizard i don't know if you knew where that was from (laughs) yeah
1: yeah oh okay from big mouth
0: from big mouth and it's they did such a good job that word shame is so loaded right with so so much like heaviness like even saying it like shame like yeah, like you know, and that show just does such a good job at kind of like putting it in like this entity and like represent like you know like a a cartoon manifestation of like what yeah. shame would be. It's brilliant. And I just find that leaning into that, and that's why you know I think our, our cross paths and why we can have this long of a conversation about all of this stuff. But mm-hmm. it's so powerful to be able to navigate shame with someone else. And again, I don't think most people would think that they would like that or feel good afterwards, but more of us need to be doing that. And the work you're doing is so important to as an example and also as a as an education in here's my shame, you have some too. Mm -hmm. Like let's Mm -hmm. talk about it and get to the place where we shine some light in the dark corners of ourselves because we all have them (laughs) like Mm -hmm. let's not pretend we don't like like, let's all have them let's talk about them
1: yeah and it feels great when you like shine that light and you both kind of see the same thing in your corners like there's just something so joyful about yeah being joined in that um like being normal being it's okay yeah Yeah. like
0: you're just a human you're a person imperfect just like me
1: (laughs) well thank you i appreciate that compliment And yeah, yeah, it has been a long conversation. So it feels like now would be a good time (laughs) to wrap it up. And I'd love to leave our listeners with a sense of like what you're doing next, where they can learn more about you. Of course, I'll put links in the show notes, but um, maybe you could walk us through what you're what's coming up.
0: Yeah, um, well, I don't know when this will come up, but every month right now, the, the best way to keep up with Curios is to follow me on Instagram at Curios by Nature for any of the pop-up conversations and any of the kind of uh, sign up for my newsletter on there as well um, on my website, www.curiosbynature. So both Curios by Nature. Um, and then if you're you know a decision maker or if you are a person on a team who thinks that having this kind of conversation could support your work in any way, Um, It could. Spoiler. Um, (laughs) uh, Signing up for a discovery session on my website is the best way to get in contact. And again, just, yeah, connecting. I'm truly trying to build a community. So yes, it's about the work, but it's also just about like people leaning into these kinds of conversations. So those are the Mm -hmm. ways to kind of lean into the community.
1: Yeah. And and you like you, you got these book clubs and you had me uh, and interviewed me as part of your thoughtful Thursdays and you do like Sundays. So like, for those who are listening, there's just like a lot of ways that you can uh, engage with this work. And um, it's like really cool.
0: Yeah. Thank you for saying that.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing so openly and vulnerably. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me.